The contents of this podcast are provided for general information and educational purposes only and do not constitute investment, accounting, legal, tax or other professional advice. Welcome to the Money Magnet Podcast, helping you attract and keep a fortune that counts with co-hosts self-made money magnet Steve McKnight and esteemed journalist Rowan Wen. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Money Magnet Podcast. I'm Rowan and joining me once again is the man behind the mic, Steve Mc... Mike McKnight. I love the way when you say that you're rowing, your arms fling up. Not that anyone can see it. It's but the it's, TV thing, is that it's, sorry? It's theatre. I talk with which, my hands, which is great for a podcast. Fun fact, I'm going to Pirates of Penzance tonight. There you go. I saw Moulin Rouge last night. Was it any good? It was awesome, actually. It was very good. We had opening night tickets, thanks to uh, Connection. It was Whoa, lovely. the underworld. It's <laughs> not what you know. <laughs> it was a very good show. And of course, it was shut down during COVID, too, here in Melbourne, where we record the podcast. And it was good to have him back. Mm, yes. Life is and returning And Penzance. Haven't seen that for a while. No. It's a theatre production at Monash Uni, and we got invited to go along. And so we're going. Culture. Who would have thought? Who invited you? It's a long story. You're paying for your own tickets? I am paying for my own tickets, unlike you. As people should, I agree. Freebie. That's exactly right. Now, we've enjoyed a short break for unforeseen reasons, Steve. What happened? Mate? Yes. Now, unfortunately, while no wallabies were injured in the recording of this podcast, the wallaby was injured on my last trip up to Bindi. What happened? Turn around a corner, blind corner, and it was twilight, and there was the wallaby. Oh, no. And I had a choice of swerving off the road and possibly killing myself or hitting the wallaby. So, unfortunately... You chose to kill the wallaby. <laughs> no, I don't know if it died. It was Are you twilight. putting your life ahead of the wallaby? It kind of went thudded about 20 kilometers an hour and hopped off, and I never saw it again. That is terrible. Isn't it bad, actually? I've got to say, when you can't attend to them because they've gone off, you know. On the way back a week or so later, I didn't see. But anyway, the I didn't think much of it other than, obviously, not good for the wallaby. I had a quick look at the car. I didn't see any damage, so I kept driving. And then when I got to Bindi the following morning, I had a closer look, and I saw some cracked plastic on the front. Still didn't think much of it, but it turns out that I had... Also damaged a hose in the car, which was quite an important hose. Right. And by the time I had the mechanic at Swiss Creek come and fix it, it was a week and a half later. Yeah, right. So I was stuck at glorious Bindi for longer than I thought, which is why there's been a slight delay. All right. Well, our thoughts are with the wallaby and its family at this time, obviously. That's <laughs> uh, terrible. All jokes aside, that is pretty bad. We should move on. To chapter eight. Play on. And chapter eight of Money Magnet, which is a practical chapter, which kind of builds on the concept of time accountability, which you've raised in previous chapters, haven't you, during the podcast and our discussion. The question I have for you is, did you really have to keep a timesheet when you're an accountant? Yes. And these were the days before technology, and it was a physical A4 pad timesheet with wow. the whole day from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. broken up in six-minute intervals. How soul-destroying is that? Well, it took a little while to get used to it. That's true. And what you do is you put a, a little line next to the time you started something and a little line next to the time you finished it, and you would count up the number of six-minute intervals, bearing in mind 10 units equals one hour. That sounds time-consuming. Who pays for that time? You did it just after your hours. Right. Okay. So that's free work, free labor. And then that went into a software system where the number of units times by your charge out rate was how much got added to the bill and then billed out to the client. 
And what was really interesting is that you learned really quickly that you had two types of time. The first type of time was productive time, which meant that the accounting practice in my case could bill you out. And then there was unproductive time, which was anything else you did, which was not productive time. So if you had to go to the toilet, if you had to run an errand, that was all unproductive time. Now, as you know, I do a bit of work up in Canberra at the moment, and we're talking a lot about accountants at the moment and timesheets and charging and Price Waterhouse Coopers, of course. How easy is it to dodge these things up and make up these ridiculous figures they're talking about up in Canberra? There was this mysterious thing in accounting called a write-up, which was where you could actually add extra time to the bill that you hadn't actually worked. What? So let's say that we agreed on a fixed fee to do this work of 25 grand, but the time on the clock was only 20 grand. So you got a write up of five grand for work you never did because you didn't do the time. But you'd agreed on the 25K. You'd agreed on the 25 grand, much like you have a write off if you agreed to 25 grand and the time on the clock was 30 grand. So you wrote off. I never guess they never wrote off. They always write up. Well, no, there were quite often write offs, but. The mysterious write-up was always a glorious day because you got paid for doing nothing. Yeah, right. And how do you morally justify that? Well, let's ask Price Waterhouse Coopers. <laughs> let's see what <laughs> well, they're... Well, the Senate committee asked that, I guess, and the police at some stage I'd imagine too. But, Ro, I think the revelation here when you work in accounting is that you do get from a very early age this concept hammered into you that time is money. And if you're wasting time, you're wasting money. And because you're rewarded and remunerated based on your ability to monetize your time, when you get out of accounting, that ethos or DNA stays with you very, very strongly, that you don't want to waste time, that you don't have time to waste, and that if you're unproductive, then you're not maximizing your income earning ability. Makes sense. Now, the listeners need to work out in their own lives what they're doing with their own time, I guess, to get some value out of what we're discussing now. And in fact, in chapter eight of the book, you've got the life time sheet that helps people figure out what they're doing with their life and what they're doing with their time. And for the first time ever, we're actually going to ask people to pause the podcast right here now and go and fill in that timesheet, right? Because it'll help you moving forward when we go through the other chapters. So if you've got it or you've got a friend who's got it and they can send you a screenshot of it or whatever you've got, have a look at the timesheet, the lifetime sheet, and pause the podcast when I say go, nick off, do the timesheet, and then unpause it and come back to us and we'll have a chat. Pause, go. Welcome back, listeners. Now, over to you, Steve, to share some insights as to how the listeners have completed the exercise. Well, the first insight, Ro, is did you do the exercise or just wait for the music sting to end and roll on as per normal? It was nice music, let's be clear about that. (laughs) Very distracting, you know, but uh, yeah. Well, Steve, I'm different. I'm in the car and I'm listening to this, or I'm out walking and I'm listening to this. The point is that if you don't participate, you're not going to get the reward. So my first question is, did you actually do it? Assume that's yes. Well, I'm going to assume it's no for a second and say, well, if you don't do these things, how are you expected to get the benefit if you don't do the work. Just the vibe, mate. Just the vibe. Okay, Dennis. (laughs) So moving on to the next revelation I want people to get is how much life has already passed by. Because you could put a line through all the life that's already passed by. And when you look at this life in a grid and you see that a fair chunk of your life has got a line through it, you think, geez, I'm older than I realized. Or so much of my life has already passed me by and I haven't made necessarily full use of it, Mm. which is a big wake up call. How do you feel about dying at age 82? That's the statistical age that most Australians will die at. And people are like, well, what about 83 to 100? I've got to put a line through that as well. Well, that's overtime. 
And then, well, 82 for a lot of people doesn't seem that far away. No, it's it's a decent whack away though. It's a couple of decades. <laughs> decent whack away for you. But if you're someone in your 80s or like, what about my dad? He's already in his mid-80s. He's in overtime as it is already. It's yeah. like, wow, maybe I don't have much time left. That's true. Well, we're probably beyond half our lives. I know. If we keep going and we don't die of something earlier. Well, that brings us to the next point, which is if you want to live beyond 82, on what basis can you make that claim? If you're not living healthier than the average person, it's unrealistic to expect that you're going to live longer than the average person. And even the other side, if you're someone who's living particularly unhealthy life by what you eat or what you think or what you drink or whatever it might be, you may not even make 82. Well, see, that's the thing, right? I look at that 82 number and uh, that's being dragged down a lot by a lot of folk that aren't actually being that healthy, unfortunately. And I don't blame them for that. I mean, the world is set up to make people not be active enough. And certainly the food we eat now is a lot crapper than it was in the 60s and 70s and 50s and 40s. You know, it's terrible food. So there's a lot of things working against them. But health doesn't seem to be prioritized by people. Not until it's getting a bit late. Like last week, I went and had my moles checked again. For those people who don't know, I've had skin cancer and a brush with melanoma. So I'm on now the high risk category for more skin cancers. Lucky me. Seriously? Yeah. And Why? But you're quite pale. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you're a little ghost. by the friendly ghost. <laughs> I'm not having a go, but I'm sitting here looking at you. You are quite a pale man, obviously. Well, I've been told to stay out of the sun because I've had skin cancer, Rowan. Yeah, okay, but you're always pretty pale. <laughs> well, they call me the pale ale, apparently. Dude, who calls you that? <laughs> I just made it up right then. But anyway, I've got another- You look sp- like E.T. in that scene where he's <laughs> dying it, in the ice chest. He sort of goes all white. That's, I'm just joking, folk. Keep going, Steve. <sighs> so I've got another spot on my back that has to get looked at, which is not ideal. But anyway, if for people who are just living in ignorance or aren't going and getting these basic things done, you know, like the old poo kit when you turn 50 to make sure you don't have bowel cancer, these are low-hanging fruit ways of staying healthy that- If you don't do, well, then you run the risk of perhaps dying prematurely. Why take the risk if you don't have to? Anyway, moving on to happier things. Well, they kind of relate because if you look after your health and you live longer, but then you need more cash. Correct. If you want to get through to those years after retirement, how are you going to fund them? And before we get to that revelation, the one that I want, which is a real major one to give, is that if you've spent so much of your life to now, let's say you're 40 or 45, and you look at how much wealth you've been able to accumulate over that 40 or 45 year period, it's likely you're going to get double that if you live to 80 or 90. Yep. And if you look at what you've got now and think, oh, geez, I haven't really got that much. Well, twice of not much is still not much usually. Mm. And unless you do something different, you're just going to get more of the same, which is the old saying we bang on about it in this podcast, that in order for things to change, first things must change. And how is the retirement age a factor in that as well? Well, 65 is the sort of stick in the sand when it comes to retirement. So if you're going to live until you're 82, you've got 17 years that you need to find money to fund. And if you don't without have Without a wage, right? Yeah, without a wage. Yeah. If you don't have a source of income, you're back relying on the pension, which we've spoken about in prior episodes, is not a place that you want to be. So what are people thinking as they're going through the list now and looking at this stuff? I mean, they're sort of going, well, okay, I've got this many years to go. I might lose the wage at this year, so do I have enough stuff to keep creating wealth as I move forward, right? Well, the purpose of this timesheet is really to get people to quantify something which they just expect is going to go on into perpetuity. It's a pretty confronting thing. At what age do you think you're going to die? Well, I'm going to live till I'm 120. Really? What quality of life are you going to have at 120? Well, I'm going to live till I'm, insert age, well, probably 82. That's what the statistics say. All right, well, now I'm going to live till I'm 82. What age am I going to retire at? 
I've never thought about it. Well, the government says you're probably going to retire at 65. Well, what if I don't want to retire at 65? Mm. What if I mm. want to retire at 50 or 45 or 30 or 25 even? Well, that's great. How are you going to support yourself in retirement? Because you can't get your super till you're 60. So how are you going to fund these years? And then when you see it laid out in front of you as a diagram and you do some really simple maths like the lifetime sheet gets you to do, all of a sudden, most people end up with a giant slap in the face wake up call, which is time's running out. I better do something because the time that's already gone, I haven't really made the most of. So I better make the use of the time that's left. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's the revelation that I want people to be able to get because what comes next is right. How do I build a blueprint for getting a better outcome than what I've flummed living my life day to day to this point in time? And I know I was joking before about having to write it down, but my advice to the listeners is do write it down because it makes it real. It's one thing to have the thoughts, but when you actually write it down and have to look at it on paper, you go, actually, this is a problem now physically sitting in front of me. Mm. What am I going to do? It makes it real. So if you've got the time, please do it. Take Steve's advice there. Absolutely. So the big aha thought here is, folks, we try hard and it's problem du jour and whatever the spot fire is, but time is running out. And so if you want to make your money count, you have to learn how to count your money and you need a priority to change. Otherwise, you'll keep doing the same thing over and over again. Beautiful. Awesome chat. As always, Stephen, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye bye, Ro. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Money Magnet podcast. If you have questions or would like to provide feedback, then please send an email to podcast at moneymagnet.au.